Hey folks, welcome back to the Eat Wild Podcast. So we're on day five, six of our adventure. We've been up in the mountains sheep hunting for several days now and covered some big country and we're laying around in the tent in a rainstorm at around 2,000 meters or 6,000 feet. And uh, we thought we'd catch up on our experience sheep hunting so far, some of the lessons learned around traveling across mountain terrain, some of the critters that were keeping us company. So I hope you enjoy it. So we're just waiting. We'd like to get back to the boats today to try and get to another sheep spot. Um, but we're a solid walk back to the boats through head-high brush all the way. So we're waiting for the for the rain to subside and hopefully be followed by a good northern Rocky Mountain dry wind to dry all the stuff out so that we don't get soaked on our way out. Um, it's kind of, well, why don't we, well, we got a few things we want to talk about. We want to bring up the speed where we're at in our hunt. Uh, we want to kill a bit of time since we're laying around in a tent together. Um, there's three of us in a two-man, two-person tent. Um, and uh, we've kind of got this uh, iPhone kind of configured so that we can all be equal distance from the mic. So we'll see how the recording turns out. But we've uh, we've had a bit of fun so far, and we've learned a bunch. So, should we just tell everybody about all the sheep we've seen right off the bat, like not mm. leave them in suspense? Most of the sheep I've seen have been in my imagination. Jenny, how many sheep have you seen? I see a lot of sheep that I think I see through my binoculars, but they're rocks. A lot of sheepy rocks, <laughs> for sure. A lot of sheepy rocks is a bit heartbreaking every time. Yeah, so we've, so we've been through three days into what... It takes about a day to get from the boats into sheep country. And then we are now been three nights up here officially in what I would consider sheep habitat and where we would likely see sheep. And we see sheep sign and sheep trails and no shortage of sheep country in every direction for miles. And we've seen exactly zero sheep. No, we did see one sheep on them. Yeah, well, (laughs) yeah, our confidence (laughs) is shattered. We saw one sheep about like just far enough away that we'd never get there. Um, like there's four ranges. Four, four ranges. I mean, we would have got there. If we had <laughs> a long way to go for a sheep who just walked over a ridge on the other side. Um, uh, so we're, we're planning a move down the valley um, and uh, to try out some other spots. And that was kind of the plan, is to have a look in here. And if this has worked out, we'd hang around a little longer. But we're going to move on. So um, what did we see, though? Selena, what, what was our... What's their animal count? You're the expert. Nice. So, uh, let's see. We had three three caribou spottings. Possibly possibly the same animal that's been hanging out with us. And doing circles around doing us. Doing circles around us. There was one one male and uh, and a female. So, so at least two. Um, many spottings. Uh, elk. Uh, a ton of elk, actually, on the first day up. And by a ton, I mean, you know, a small handful of elk. <laughs> well, that would be a ton. Three elk would be about a ton. Oh, good, good. Day one was three, yeah. And then the day two, another three. Um, and There's then... quite a few up in that 
up what we call caribou camp where we woke up to a caribou staring at our camp. Yeah, that was fun. That was cool. Yeah. And uh, ptarmigan. And a big porcupine. A really big porcupine. Super-sized porcupine. Mm -hmm. Fortunately, nowhere near our camp. Yeah. I'm more afraid of porcupines than I am of grizzly bears, and I mean that for real. I've had more, like, (laughs) porcupine encounters in sheep camp, and it's going to be, like, quite... Like those quills, you know, they can put a lot of hole and a lot of holes in very important gear that you rely on. You worry about that. They're kind of like goats; they just want to nibble on everything. Yeah. Okay, so let's just walk people through. Sort of what I'm kind of curious is just kind of gaining. I, I think that one of the things that's so every it even surprises me having done this a bunch of times is like getting from either the road or in our case the river up into sheep camp or up into sheep country like on google earth sitting at home it looks like it's like oh we'll just hop up there and then we'll be like cruising around an alpine for days and days and and as easy as it looks or as attainable as it looks is a better word um on google earth or all the mapping that we have available to us now um it's still brutally hard and I think it's probably good to tell people what those barriers are and and sort of just how to work through them. So um, probably the first one is just um, figuring out if there's an actual route that you can f- like physically go. And this came up for us because we the the valley that we actually wanted to go in was um, we flew over it and we looked at it from the air, just the access getting into that valley from the river up into that sheep country, that zone of, I don't know, how many, how many meters did we climb up, Jenny, from river to where we're sort of into this actual alpine? I think the river's at 800 meters. And we are currently sitting at 1,800, but our highest yesterday was 2,100 meters. 2,100 meters, so. So from river... So, thirteen hundred meters straight up. Yeah, so it's a pretty good haul, and that and that's just a transition and ecosystem from, you know, forested ecosystem down the river valley. Oh, here we go. Is our maybe this is our wind that's following the rain, as I'd hoped. Um, so I I work in feet. If anybody else works in feet, that's like, I think we're at thirty five hundred feet in the valley bottom, and, and about fifty five hundred feet up in. Uh, 6,000 feet. That's kind of where we get into Alpine, where we can move around a little quicker. Um, so, you know, what are some of the plants that in between? Mm, yeah, so lower down. Lower down you're seeing all kinds of different plants where they're more woody and they can handle being in the forest. And I should say this relative to, like, travel. Because I, I can see you talking about trillium flower and all kinds of wonderful yeah, things that you've been eating along the way, but that's yeah. for another episode, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> so the brush was... Yeah, it's just super dense, and uh, especially where the uh, where the fire had come through, and there was a lot of diversity in plants, and that was just kicking our butts, trying to push through that, and a lot of... Long boughs, grabbing guns and stuff like that above head. And then when we got higher up, the diversity of shrubs went way down. We only had about three different shrub species, but they were all about waist height. And then as we're traveling through that, yeah, that's 
even even if there are uh, horse trails, which we found a lot of, thank goodness, they've still been grown over. So there's like a little dome of plants over the trail. And some of them are definitely had height. Yeah. Definitely had height. So mm-hmm. the uh, so one of the big secrets to try and gaining from like getting through that. So so Selena's describing like we we started out in green forest, which is probably your best bet for getting through stuff, and then and. But there's a big burn that worked its way across, um, sort of it's like a bit of a band going across the mountain between the river bottom and up into the alpine where we eventually got to. And that burn is full of mature trees that have been blown down and are laying on the ground. And then there's like willow that's grown up around everything. So we're, and the density is quite high of willow. So you're literally like leaning into it and pushing through it and just trying to find your way through it while stepping over logs and then there's just like quagmires of logs that you have to go around which means you have to push through more willow so that, that was unpleasant that part was fairly steep as well oh yeah that was steep and unpleasant steep willowy bushwhacking over trees <laughs> so and then eventually when you like break clear of that and you think you've accomplished something <laughs> then you get into what is a zone of willow that's like kind of characteristic of all alpine in British Columbia like either willow or sometimes there's alder but there's just like like deciduous bush like band of of uh, ecosystem that you have to push through to eventually get into where you're kind of navigating through knee-high heather and and other alpine stuff that's much more manageable and way less energy sucking and um so so the the secret to this is you know, twofold. One is like pick a route that has the shortest distance between, you know, where your river or road is to where you're into this sort of knee-high alpine at what sort of starts at around 5,500 feet. Or try and puzzle out where the outfitter, the, the, the guide outfitter may have built a trail, a horse trail up to those zones. So, so that was kind of our strategy off the river. Like we figured this is this is all well hunted by the outfit of the area that we're in and we figured that there had to be a horse trail up in this valley because the valley is very sheepy so we we really focused the time um while we were along the river there's a there's a main horse trail that goes up and down the river and we really looked for um signs of a horse trail sort of taking off up the valley and what what did we jenny what do we what were we looking for signs of where horse trail may have been or blazes on the trees yes so where the trees have been limbed yeah what's a blaze where the trees have been limbed it's a mark on the tree where they pulled the branch off to make way for the horses okay um so the blade so so that was a key sign is looking for where like trees had been you know, brushed up the sides and then they they do put a blaze where they take an axe and chop into the tree and skin off about a six or eight inch piece of bark that acts as a signpost. It's like a trail trail signpost. And so we, that's a blaze. And, and so on a really well-marked trail, they'll blaze, um, they'll, they'll chop it. It's, and this is like imagining somebody sitting in a horse, uh, uh, sitting on a horse and reaching over to a tree and chopping just a little skin off the, the, off the tree. And they'll, <clears throat> theoretically, you would do you would do a blaze and then wherever the trail goes and you know another 50 meters ahead there'd be another blaze or wherever you can see so it it just guides somebody 
uh, walking up the trail. They go from one blaze and they look for the next blaze and they walk to that place and then they go up to the next place. Um, as a general guide, the, the reality is, is it often doesn't work that well, all, uh, well, over time, unless the trail's very well maintained, as in someone has to come through with a chainsaw and remove the blowdown over time. Because if you don't remove the blowdown, then the the horse trail will just go around and blow down, and then that deviates the trail a little bit off the off the original alignment, and so it becomes kind of a little bit of a maze. You're kind of you find a blaze, you get excited, you're on a horse trail for a bit, and then you follow the trail, and the trail dissipates, and then all of a sudden you can't see any more blazes. Well, that's because you've been following the new horse trail that you know, and if you're familiar, you kind of know where it's going to end up again, so you kind of work your way back to that spot. So over time, these trails kind of meander up the mountain, but generally there's one sort of concept of where this trail should go up based on the topography, like of the angle of the of the mountain um, going up. Like there's, you obviously want to avoid terrain traps and steep features and kind of work your way around them on more moderate terrain so it's easier for horses to, to maintain a nice even angle, uh, even... Um, you know, aspect into their angle into the mountain. So steepness is what I'm trying to find. A nice even steepness, not too steep, but still climbing and work your way all the way up. So we did, did we find a trail, Selena? Did we find which trail? The... Oh, a horse trail coming out here. <laughs> well, <laughs> we found a few horse trails and then we found a few game trails and they braided all over the place. And then we found... A dry riverbed that we followed as well. <laughs> yeah, there was there was a good diversity. Um, later on, though, it was horse trail heaven. It was fantastic. So that was a. So we ended up. I think we kind of when we left the river, we found a pretty distinct horse trail going through the forest, where it was still green forest, unburnt forest, and there was blazes and a pretty good trail. And we were thinking we were in. We were like, this is going to be great, but then that trail went over to through the forest that had been burnt and I think that trail had been abandoned at that point because the I think eventually that became too much to maintain that trail coming up this way um in the original route kind of go through that forest one of the problems with and we deal with this in parks is like where we've like say Okanagan Mountain Park where there's a big burn god it's got to be 15 years ago now maybe more um there's just like constantly trees coming down so it's a constant maintenance effort to keep those trails open so it's the same thing for these these folks, these outfitters, and and eventually you just say, well, that's just too much work over time to get in there. So, as it turns out, I think there's another way to get in here, which is how they how where where we find most of those tra- horse trails coming over the top, and into this valley, and so the the network of trails, I and we'll we'll find out today, but the network of trails is uh, comes in from the the valley next to us, and then they they bump up and over the the pass, and then into this this set of valleys. And the horse trails are really good. I suspect when we go out today that we won't really find the distinct horse trail heading down the valley where back where we came from, other than the sort of fragmented horse trails that we came up on, as well as um anyways, what I was gonna say is that when that when we eventually lost the trail completely and into the burn and it was just impenetrable in the burn, we took advantage of another good mm. feature, which is you know, sometimes you can walk up the wash of a river. So you have to walk up boulders and stuff, but at least the, the vegetation gets blown out every year during the flood, like the flood cycle or the, the, the spring runoff, the fresh out, that's the right word. 
and it blows out all the vegetation. And then you, uh, and there's just, you're walking up a boulder field or like a floodplain kind of, and, and that can work out really well. And you can at least you can gain some elevation and that's, and then eventually that worked for a bit and then it turned into a canyon. So we were forced up mm-hmm. to eventually power through the burn for a while. And then we got up. Well, it was great because at, at that point, when just, I think just at the moment we we're all kind of fed up with pushing through the, the hellish conditions you described that's when we found the elk trail it's like oh thank goodness oh yeah that is this aged elk trail where we've been i'd say probably a good four inches down into the soil like it was all pushed down from constant travel from the elk yeah so so that's the other hope is trying to figure out you know where there's a density or of of so in this case, it was a constriction. Like, so we kind of came up, there was a very pronounced canyon. Um, we kind of came up the, the north side of this valley, which is something I would n- normally do, but uh, the burn had really affected the south side of the valley. Typically south-facing slopes are, have a little less vegetation, a little less water on them, so that they're, they, dr- they have a little more space between the plants and the vegetation tends to be more hiker-friendly. North side, not so much, it's usually thicker. But just the just how we just the, the the line that we took ended up on the north side, and we eventually kind of got we found a, found that the our our game trails got progressively better. But as we found out, the reason for that was because there was a very distinct series of canyons on our right hand side going back down to the creek, and it just a very narrow pass for any critter, including humans, horses, but more elk and goats, to get through. And so it made a fairly just fairly good game trail that kind of got us kind of out of the burn and got us through the majority of the um, of that sort of brush that we talked about the the willow um, the willow elevation the willow band and we it, it's at least there was no at least we're on a trail that willow still grows over and like you know the willow like there's a trail for your feet but you're still pushing through. Um, will that's grown over the the width of the trail which is very pleasant for hours at a time <laughs> but the good news is is it wasn't wet yeah so very that, lucky that was nice all right so camp one was goat camp and then we actually and that was from there so that took us well like i don't know six hours or something to get from the river to goat camp and at goat camp we were legitimately in sheep country and we shut her down for the night, and then... Where did we get the beautiful name Goat Camp from? Oh, because I'm sure that's like, uh, that, that, um... Because it was just sheer canyon, and there was quite a few <laughs> trails, like, in and around, up and down those canyons, and in those canyons, and, and beds. So that first spot that we stopped and sat and glassed, I'm pretty sure that was a goat bed. Because okay. it was just so, like, it just went on... I've seen goats living in those canyon ecosystems like that. And um, it's doing fairly well. I suspect that was goat winter range. It was incredible. It was a sheer face. It was amazing. <laughs> the canyon. I was kind of scared. I thought, like, I knew there was a feature there that might be challenging to navigate, but I had no idea it was that dramatic based on the maps I was looking at. Anyway, day two. We're now officially in sheep country. And uh, so where did we get to, Jenny? We got to, from on day two, we hiked up to Caribou Camp. <laughs> we wandered through 
there's definitely some more bushwhacking. And it was a bit wetter. The uh, trees were a bit wetter. You were leading. And, uh, <laughs> Knocking all the bearing all the brush. Soaked. <laughs> getting quite wet. I learned something that day that I would put my gun on the lower side of the trail because I think it would get caught oh. up less often. Oh. If I put it on the low side. Oh. Yeah. So I will consider that for today and I will going down I will put my gun on the left side of my pack and we'll see if that'll make a difference nice. I got hooked up a couple times where I fell forward but I didn't actually fall <laughs> to the ground because my gun was still <laughs> caught up in the trees and I was just sort of my feet weren't underneath me <laughs> just sort of hanging out until waiting for one of those branches to give and then <laughs> crashing down the most the frustrating <laughs> so and, uh, I'm I'm curious. So this is good. Like like, the first time I experienced that, like of just like never ending pushing through bush and like wondering if it's ever going to end. Like it's it's quite tor- it's quite tormenting for me. But I'm curious, what was the mental sort of what, how was the mental aspect of or both physically and mentally? How was that for you, for Selena? Uh, at one point, I started thinking this is this is like wading through water. So we we crossed um, the river a couple of times with the dry suits. And I'm like, why does this feel familiar? <laughs> it felt like pushing through water, <laughs> um, trying to walk through a pool or something like that. And for me, I think um, I'm used to I'm used to doing this in Pemberton, where I'm just crashing through a bunch of hardwoods. Um, but it's wetter, and I'm more angry. <laughs> and <laughs> so this was. This was less than that. And I think I psyched oh. myself up psychologically. Like, all right, bring it, Pemberton style, I got this. And um, and it never met me at that level. So I was always, I was happier than what I have been or what I could have expected to have been <laughs> after pushing through that kind of schmuck. How about you, Jenny? How did you do physically and mentally through that, that push? Well, I think uh, similar to Selena with, I mean, ski touring, that's pretty common. I mean, it's dreamy when you get to the Alpine before that, you're definitely going to bank some brush for sure. And I mean, thoughts of the bison hunt come to mind where, I mean, those branches were they're pretty fun because you could box your way through them. Like you really had to punch a lot of them out. <laughs> Just, I mean, and that's, that's definitely a mental release when you can punch these branches out of your way. And again, it was, I did have this expectation that that middle part until we got into the Alpine would be quite challenging, but I, I, I only got nervous when I didn't, when it was so willowy, so close to the ground that I couldn't get my feet Mm. on the ground. And that's when I was concerned that, um, with 40 pounds on my back that I might twist an ankle, which would have been a bit devastating. So to really slow the slow down through there and take a bit more care so that, uh, the first, uh, the trip didn't end, turn away. end in the beginning due to a, a, a little bit of a slip, <laughs> which is why maybe I ended up like hung up because of the unwillingness to commit to standing on my own two feet. <laughs> <laughs> there was, when we had trail, like, like you said, like, oh yes, there's, there's a place to put my feet, but the branches are still whacking us. When we had to just cross country, we're like, we have to go there. Let's just go. <laughs> and a lot of the birch especially was growing out at, at like a 15 degree angle from the ground. And I was like, oh, for Pete's sake. 
You're just standing on like. That's not what I heard you say. <laughs> this is a PG podcast. It's PG. I heard some f bombs on that mountain. My, my mom might be listening to this. Selena's f bombs? No. <laughs> Only Willow bashing f bombs. They're totally appropriate. They stayed on the mountain. There. Yeah, that, that was that was funny because it was a bit of um. Uh, bounce to those branches, right? And you step down onto them and then they want to come back up. Ugh. We're heading there in like two hours and this, mm. yeah, I'm not looking forward to it. Could lay here Hence all day. Why we're, oh, it's a bit rainy. You should stay dry. <laughs> oh, is that a bit of drizzle? <laughs> no, Sue's just brushing her teeth. <laughs> <laughs> it is a fundamental rule of this, the, this whole like hanging out for on a 12 day extended trip is to not get wet. Like you just can't get soaked to the ass because you may not be able to dry out. At least not until we get to the river where we have our eight-man, our eight-person teepee tent with the wood stove, and then we can maybe mm. push through some. And, and we're also just, we've got more wood, and we've got, you know, more. Wine. We have wine. We have a box of wine. I forgot that we brought state. the teepee tent. That's going to be delightful. Yes, we slopped that tent over, which we'll, yeah, which uh. we'll share in another episode. Okay, so okay, so we're, so we, we're up here. We're camped out. We've kind of like we put an effort in the first day we covered, you know, the, my friend Jesse Zeman calls, uh, uh, sheep hunting a, uh, it's more of a, it's, it's, it's a marathon. You just got to like cover as much ground as you can every day and, and, and keep looking. And, uh, so we certainly did that. We covered, I don't know, 10, 10 kilometers on day two. And then day three, we went up and over into, another valley to look down into an area that, that was sort of we we basically wanted to get to but from the other way so it just took us a different took us a day and a bit to get into this other area and this was a bit different because we climbed up the mountain up to a, a high pass at something like 2000 2000 meters and um and, and got our gear all the way up there and now we can see we're basically on top of these mountains or just a short stint from on top. And you can really see all the tops of the mountains. And, and it always impresses me. Like when you're in the bottom of the valley, you think you see all of the mountain. But when you get up on top of these mountains, up under the ridges, there's so much more mountain like up there that you can see. And it really opens up like 360 degrees around us. You know, for, for two ranges over, we can see what is all sheep country. And, and, um, and we sat around up there all day and uh and looked for for sheep. And it's nice and sunny too. That was great. Yeah, we really lucked out, eh? Yeah. Found like, this little slack in the landscape and tucked in there, very little wind. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah. And glassed every single possible location. Multiple times. Yeah. <laughs> so we kinda of glassed from like ten in the morning till, I don't know, six at night or something. And really like the peak activity period is you know, in the morning and in the evenings for them moving around. So like we, you know, I, you know, there, I think there still could have been sheep in all those areas. You just, you know, on the other hand, you really get to look at every aspect when you're up high like that. You sure see well into those areas that, you know, sheep like to bed down or at least hang out and normal, like in, in other areas where I've seen, you know, I, I was confident that if there were sheep on those hills that, you know, putting in a shift like that of looking, eventually we would see the sheep that are there. Ha- having said that, the sheep move around, right? So if you just sit around long enough, you know, maybe a sheep 
pops back into that valley and we can see them come in and um anyways we opted to uh we felt like we'd given this little complex enough effort well we came to a collective decision of what there were no sheep there <laughs> we decided there's no sheep there <laughs> So we've got a lot of river to cover, and we've got a lot of other... Sorry. i got to move around for a minute. My arm's asleep. Okay, we'll <laughs> cut that out. <laughs> um. I'm ready. It's going to be cut out. We're good. Okay. <laughs> now we have to cut it out. It's the reality I know. We're, I know. We're <laughs> in a two-person tent. tent with three, three people doing a podcast. I'm happy. I'm comfy. I was getting cool, so I had to zip myself up okay. deeper into my sleeping bag. We're almost done this podcast because it actually has stopped raining, so uh, I feel like we can get going now. So we'll just wrap up our. Um, so we ended. We get up, up up high, and and you can really see everywhere, and it's just so magnificent. And we did have a bit of a. It was amazing. Like the sunny day, there was hardly any wind, and we were able to lay around up there for for hours and nap and spot and nap and spot some more. And uh, but yeah, we opted to just to. to feel like we've had a solid look at this country and there's no sheep here right now I'm sure if we just laid around long enough that sheep would show up but we've got some other country that we can look at and some pretty cool adventure ahead and getting into the boats it's exciting and moving down river to another kind of sheep spot sounds pretty fun so we're going to go do that so we've just it's about a two day walk so we're kind of we knocked off half the day yesterday and now we'll rock off, knock off the rest here as soon as it dries out a bit. So my question for you guys is just before we wrap this up. So now we've, you know, we've really experienced like grinding around in this country, either up steep hills like we did yesterday up into those ridges and, and with full, full gear and, and up through the challenging brush. Is there anything that you brought that you wish you hadn't brought that you would like leave behind and, just how to get lighter and, and more streamlined. To, or maybe something that you didn't bring that you wish you had. Selena? Beer. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I love the, um, uh, the, the the long johns, the base layer that you can tear away without taking off your boots. Oh, yeah. Uh, same thing with the, the uh, waterproof layer. Mine, mine works, but you just, just got to pull it over the boots. So, so having something that's like zip away... Oh, so nice because um, the rain can just appear very suddenly. Um, but also climbing. You start climbing and you get all toasty and you want to be able to take a layer off quickly. I don't want to have to sit down and undo my boots and redo my boots all the time. It's kind of a pain in the butt. Having the, the zip away stuff um, is very alluring. Yeah, for sure. So you've got pullover rain pants, which are yeah, um, yeah kind of a pain in the butt for sure. I mean, they're good rain pants, but... Um, and then you were... You were admiring my zip away. Um, I got zip away merino long johns. You just unzip the sides and they, they rip off, sort of like stripper pants. And, Hello. Um, but it's great. You don't have to take off your gaiters or your boots, and you can you can layer down. So you never have that decision as to whether or not you need want to start your day with your um, long johns on because you know you're going to be hiking in an hour. But um, I don't I don't have to deal with that conundrum every day. I just start with long johns and they come off when I get warm. Mm. Jenny, but how about you? Gear that you wish you'd brought or didn't bring. Well, I've got this dry bag then. <laughs> terrible. It just doesn't seem to have anything to put in it. It's just this extra random bag. 
It rather takes up a lot of space in my pack, so that will uh, will not be part of next year's or next <laughs> next mission for sure. And uh, other than that, actually, I'm. Uh, it took me at least two days to figure out the order at which things needed to go into my pack. Mm-hmm. So that's key for me, and uh, definitely key to have all that rain gear right at the top because like selena says you can sort of see it coming but sometimes it'll blow over so i was quite impressed actually with you two lower down in the river is there's a couple droplets of rain and all of a sudden my buddies were like diving into the bushes there's all this kerfuffle i'm like oh what's going on well they had their pack covers on and their rain gear down in under 45 seconds it's like a drill so it's pretty cool so rain gear at the top is key so i've got more mine was more of a how to pack the things that I actually brought in the most efficient manner mm. for an energy perspective as well as a prepared for the continuous change in weather temperature and precipitation wise nice yeah definitely and it's something that I I didn't realize like is even because I could see you guys sort of figuring out how to best organize your gear and I it did there's definitely a system to it and and over or over the years I've kind of I feel like I've gotten pretty close to what works well for me and, and is light and organized and, you know, maximizes the utility of the pack and also mass and, and has some organization for taking, you know, you have your food kit, your sleep kit and all of it kind of packs up nicely together and, and helps you stay organized. So that's definitely something I should do a video on one of these days. Like the, I don't need the tent at the top of my pack. That's a once a day type of thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, totally. But for the design of the pack as well, they thought the tent worked well at the top, but it works well at the bottom, which is such a great thing. Oh, good. So the tent at the bottom, then sleepy bag, then food, then rain gear. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. You don't want you don't want a damp tent sitting on the top, slowly working its dampness through all of your gear. No. Yeah, so the only thing that I have, which I love, I, I was thinking about, I, I bring like a little one pound tarp that we, that we and it was great. We whipped it out and when that one rainstorm came midday and and, um, and it's, it's got it's pretty strong, so, so it's got all the ropes tied to it. So it's really easy to tie up a little makeshift shelter and you can camp out underneath it. We had soup and it's very pleasant and we're still spotting for sheep, which is raining on us. I had a question for you, Selena. Would you return with that uh, Lipton soup? Would you bring that out again? <laughs> oh, a bit of a soup off. Well, Lipton is sponsoring this trip for me, so... <laughs> Sponsored by Lipton and salt. <laughs> Mostly salt. <laughs> the color of that soup So there was, it was a great for day two. I was the soup judge. <laughs> and I take my role very seriously and my options was uh, the soup that Selena prepared and I, I no offense Selena but I think it was also in the preparation it was uh, <laughs> the noodles I don't I don't suspect it's supposed to be as crunchy as it was it was it was like a center column of crunch with surrounded by like this mashy <laughs> soft <laughs> and then Dylan brought a nice borscht a packaged borscht that had uh, some JNZ sausage cut up in it, which uh, was a clear winner. <laughs> <laughs> Selena opted for like the Lipton. No, is it Lipton? I think it's a Lipton knockoff. It's not even Lipton. Oh my God! You bought. <laughs> you didn't want even. You couldn't even buck up for the Lipton. <laughs> it's just like chicken noodle soup. It's just like it, it was bad when I was eight years old. It's, it's a lot worse when I'm forty-four. <laughs> it didn't even dissolve. There was chunks of the. 
Seasoning? Seasoning. Salted MSG, I think they call that with yellow dye. With yellow dye. Chicken number 12, actually. Chicken number 12 stock. Oh, it's terrible looking. Anyways, a good... It'll warm you up midday meal is uh, this package of borscht that we get from the JNZ um, deli there, and it's just it's it's just it's just like little beet crystals, and you dump it in your pot with them, boil up your sausage for a minute, and uh, and man, it's good. In fact, that's what I want right now. Mm. Hey, so I think um, I think we can get going. It stopped raining. Yeah. And um, as cozy as this is, I think we should. Uh, Get on, go bash some willows. Go bash some willows and get in their <laughs> boats and go find another hill to climb up. Cool. All right. We'll see you guys. 